I found myself on the sunny coast and I was feeling great When I saw a busker playing there at Kiwana Lake Bring your mates, for your mates Beers and love, music while you're filling up your plates October is a date, from the 30th to 31st we gonna rock the place Love is the theme and we'd love to see your face At Busker's Bar the Lake At Busker's Bar the Lake Alright, well, Andy, Andy Ward, Dr. Andy Amen. Ward Welcome to the Behind the Scenes of the Busker's Bar the Lake podcast Thank you for having me Yeah, my tutor a man of many talents, I understand. Oh uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far. Man of ah, uh, occasional talent, mm. but not really. Yeah, sure. Why not? In what fields would you describe yourself as occasionally talented? <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess you know my my principal kind of profession before I started like working as an academic at a university was music. Mm. So you know I. Spent my misspent youth busking, which put me through uni the first time round. Uh, and I actually dropped out of uni when I was like in, in my final year. Never completed my undergraduate degree. Went on to start a um, an internet like uh, social media marketplace for creative, you know, uh, intellectual property developers. Then like I came back to music and worked for... Um, Sony for a while as a recording artist and now I kind of work as a songwriter and a producer as well for a kind of international artist. So that's kind of my gig when I'm not here. How would you say music's helped you with also your academic career and your other roles? Has music been a big part of your life? Like has it been helpful? Well, yeah, I mean I, I, played, I played music since I was a little tacker, you know, a little tiny little kid, really lucky to have a family that, saw like music is important so you know I, and and who worked hard enough to have like music lessons on the side and stuff so um it's a really adept kind of way of working right so when you work in the gig economy and and, and you know as creative practitioner a, a creative practitioner yourself you know focusing in kind of journalism and music journalism and the kind of direction you're going in um you kind of cobble together a career to yourself because there's, there's no like office. You don't like, you don't finish your music degree and then turn up to the music office the next day and like do your music for nine to five, um, five days a week. So creative practitioners work in a really diverse, flexible, crazy hours, sometimes 80 hours in a week, some five, sometimes five hours the next week, you know, a, a kind of really dynamic, way and that's helped me when I joined the university because university is not much different which is really weird right like you know yes we we we'll get paid to work nine to five at a university but if you really want if you're really dedicated to the process to research to kind of building capacity in the region which is what a university is all about then you, you don't kind of sign off at five o'clock I mean I'm here tonight until 9 30 to put on a community event that's mm. kind of having that pragmatic and, and persistent approach is, mm. is, has really helped. I would like to say just from seeing you in two or three tutorials for this subject, your ability to communicate academic information, it's almost like watching a performance, a musical performance. <laughs> no joke. Like yeah, yeah, sure. when, when you're <laughs> riffing with like 
I suppose, academic terminology. It's almost like watching someone freestyle rap or play an instrument. It's me talking to myself too, right? Like, so, you know, the complex philosophical kind of academic ideas and frameworks and concepts and things like we've been talking about, like epistemology and pragmatism. And it helps me, like I find talking through it and trying to translate it into something that you can like eat and digest that's not this like impossible thing to understand it, it it helps me figure it out too you know so like the the importance of the teaching process at a uni helps us as academics and researchers figure it out what what the fuck it is that we're trying to say you know and with this subject i guess when we started doing it i wasn't really sure of what it actually was mm-hmm. But now that we're getting into it and I'm here in the studio with you, with Cindy, the organiser of Buskers by the Lake, it's really good to see how that academic work applies to the industry. Like, do you want to sort of talk us through how the university has gotten involved with Buskers by the Lake? Yeah, love to. I mean, we, Cindy and I met through another research project that I'm working on. Um, Universities are really interesting places, right? There's in a, in a really predominantly capital-driven world, or like, you know, what you, capitalist environments, man, um, universities are some of the last places where there's not necessarily that entirely for-profit, you know, model going on. And so, you know, you describe it as like a benevolent institution, something that can give back and try to do as little harm and try to do as much good as, mm. as they can. So hooking up with Cindy and Buskers by the Lake is a no-brainer for us. As the School of Business and Creative Industries, those two things are really similar. You know, business and and creative practice or or the industrialization of creativity, creative industries, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Making stuff to sell, do, provide a, a service, a product design to address a community need. They're really hand in glove things. So, so partnerships like Buskers by the Lake mean I get to hook up a group of students who have similar interests with a creative enterprise who's actually making, you know, a, a, a community a difference and running a business and running a creative enter- enterprise that you can see and integrate with and kind of go, yeah, yeah, cool. So mm-hmm. Cindy's awesome. Like the the Jensen gang and the family. Uh, the the family they've created at Buskers by the Lake is is awesome, and what they do is awesome. Their their community outcomes are really good. So being able to just connect a bunch of like minded senior students to work in industry in that way is perfect. It's ideal. Like it's 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 not it's not very often in a job you get to have outcomes where everyone benefits, um, but you can in in at a university, and that's kind of why I work here. It's better than the music industry because not. Very often, not everyone benefits from whatever happens in the music industry. Mm. Well, this is probably the, for this project, it's been very informative showing how, yeah, you can actually make something but still be creative. Like you don't have to give up that creativity to still get a job or still find work. Like Mm. uh, this is the first time I've ever really done a proper podcast or been in a proper studio. Mm. But like, yeah, just it's great, yeah. It's a it's an interesting thing, right? Like this this idea of of making stuff somewhere along the way, and it's it's only recent. Like it's only in the last hundred years or so that people have been 
have become really obsessed with this idea that art and making stuff and creative practice and making money are two polar opposite things, right? It's, it's crazy. And it's actually this really, really clever marketing on the part of youth culture in like post the Second World War in the United States. So you, you think, right, rock and roll, youth market, like headphones, vinyl players, the emerging kind of rockabilly and rock and roll culture in the United States by way of like Elvis Presley or, um, you know, any of the people operating in that space. We're like, you're cool, rebels, James Dean, rebel without a cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the actual fact is like at the end of the Second World War, uh, the United States was faced with like a whole generation of people who'd been wiped out from the war and they didn't have a labor force that started at 18 and went to 21. So like fast food and the American kind of industrial system started going, well, I guess we can give people who are like 15 and stuff jobs and cool. And, and what happened was for the first time since the advent of massive marketing, like the capacity to distribute printed and, and radio-based kind of communication, uh, you had these kids with money for the first time ever. So like up until the 1940s, if your dad was a newspaper man, you were going to grow up and be a newspaper man, you know, and because it was this f messed up pa patriarchy environment, like if mum was a stay-at-home, you know, wife, you know, then the daughter was going to, and it's really messed up. So you'd go home and you'd smoke the same tobacco that your dad smoked and you'd drink the same drink and you'd listen to the same radio stations and wear the same clothes. So it wasn't until the 50s, like I'm talking 70 years ago, right? Only like your grandparents remember this shit mm. where youth culture became a thing because all of a sudden young people had heaps of disposable income. And instead of like talking to dad, the newspaper man, marketing organizations went, what are young people like? Mm. I don't know, rock and roll and like transistor radios and roller skates and fast food and shit. Um, so that, I know that's a bit of like a long jabber about some like the history of creative practice i love it i love but history like, um the, how that translated was at the same time there the post-world war there were these philosophers this guy called um, adorno and this other guy called horkheimer and they founded this thing called uh, well, actually horkheimer i think founded the the frankfurt school and they they coined this term the culture industries uh and it was like a critique of how we use money and creative and create things to create like identities and and nation state identities and and ideas of ourselves and stuff so the whole idea like that that was then 70 years ago is when we started separating out the idea that money man is like it corrupts art art and music and like making things they're the, they're the first things that start differentiating us from the rest of the primates in animals. Mm. Like other apes don't make transistor radios, but we do. Right? And we started making tools. We started making like complex language systems and started like thinking about the universe around us. That's creative, right? Mm. And that happened for 250,000 years up until 70 years ago when someone was like, yeah, I don't know, man, making money and do it, like making things, I don't know if they're the same thing. And they definitely are. Like Apple's got no problem being like, yeah, yeah, we're slick. 
we, we were turtlenecks and we make really wicked devices and it do, does cool stuff. But hey, don't like paint a picture and ask for money because that will corrupt the picture. It's, in, it's insanity, right? So mm-hmm. that's my gig is to try and express that it's okay to want to have a meaningful, financially sustainable and dare I say profitable career out of making stuff. Mm. Um, we don't have problems with like plumbers who do that. Mm. No one looks at a plumber and goes, oh man, I don't know, you asking for me to pay this bill is fundamentally corrupting the creativity of your plumbing practice. <laughs> your pipe work. That's insane, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> but for a journalist or for like a songwriter or for someone in visual mm. communication, we find it really hard, right? Like, do, do you find it hard to like ask for credibility or money or like, you know, when you engage in making something? I've finally wrapped around my head around it as I've sort of got more confident and met people like you and gone through uni. But through high school, they sort of say you can get like a trade Mm. or you can get like an office job. And then if you want to be one of those sort of out there creative people, good for you, but like you're not going to go too far in life. And that sort of really ingrained itself in my mentality and I, we were speaking about this earlier today. I st- started with a law degree, went to an education degree, and now I've switched to journalism. Yeah. But now from journalism, I'm sort of getting into the music side of it where I finally want to be. But before now, I really didn't think that was possible. I didn't think that there was any point chasing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, because of what I was told and like what it's you learn through it? the education system. So there's some... Um... I, th- I, th- I think how many people out there have like with talent and potential have not used that or not expressed it to the world because they didn't think it was viable like. Well, totally, right? Mm. And, and how many people who are making or doing, right, creating things, um, how many of them are out there doing stuff that's not in the same vein or the same technique or whatever as other people doing incredible stuff but aren't accepted because the education system says you have to do it this way. So like Jimi Hendrix, Jimi Hendrix famously played the guitar left-handed and upside down, right? One of the greatest and most influential guitarists of the last, you know, of the history of the instrument pretty much, right? So imagine if you sent him to school and they're like, oh, James, young James Hendrix, I don't know if that's the way you hold the guitar. You know, you should, you should learn to do it the other way. Um, so there's that kind of innovation in approach that happens um, that can just be quashed by this idea of like the cookie cutter job thing. Mm. And it, it ain't nothing wrong with it. Like ain't mm. nothing against someone who like wants to go work in a accounting firm or a legal firm and, and do nine to five. And that's amazing, right? And in terms of probably like a work-life balance, it might even be healthier, right? <laughs> but... Um, at the end of the day, those people go home and they watch films, they listen to music, they want to hang art on their walls, they play with devices that have been, you know, in, designed by intelligent people to make sure the user interfaces are brilliant. You know, they rely heavily in the, the quality of their life mm. um, is dependent on all the other people making the things that they enjoy, like mm. including the, the milk bottle container, you know, and the label on it, like it's, it, that, that whole process. Um, it's so rich and it's so it's such a huge industry. Um, you know, it's one of the largest things that generate money is the idea that that awesome jacket, right, and this microphone and that sign 
have all been made by people and people have interacted mm. and, and exchanged money and value for it. Can I just say this jacket, as far as money goes, was an absolute bargain. It cost 50 bucks and oh. a box of chocolates from a like to a lovely I old lady desperately so. want to know that story yeah like, how did the like if you were like it cost 50 bucks and i got it from a thrift shop i'd be like yeah okay but what how does the f- box of yeah. chocolates fit into it so like my mum, she's massively creative too and she was with the local theater company yeah and one of the old ladies who sewed for them like i needed a graduation jacket and mum was like oh well i actually designed it so I, we picked the materials out we paid for the materials then we give it to this lovely old lady and she said, oh, no, don't pay me. Like, I don't want anything for it. And we're like, we've got to give you something. So, like, yeah. But that, amazing, that old right? lady needs to come to uni and learn that she could make yeah, a lot more off said, it. Yeah, 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 50 bucks, more like 250 Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Like, uh, mm. it, 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 I don't want to get all academic about it, right? But, you know, it's a podcast. We might as well talk a little bit about it. But the, the idea of, like, labour and how we work in a society like nine to five hasn't existed for that long like about a hundred years before that like there's a massive kind of collective bargaining trade union movement that was like hey how about we don't work 10 hours a day seven days a week and how about we like make sure that five-year-old kids aren't working in coal mines and stuff um you know and that that's not that's not a very long history right like even if you just go with the idea of western history just back to the dark ages let's go like a thousand ad right let's ignore the thousands and thousands of years of history before that but that's like that's a thousand years right mm. and only 10 percent of it would be like yeah so nine to five and like that's how the that's that's what's good for humans and it doesn't come out of any research or reason or anything right it's just like oh someone hey uh if we work rest and play like the mars bar ad um we need like how do you chop twenty four up into three different bits? Oh, eight hours, right? Three times. Yep, cool. That that seems about right. Eight hours rest, eight hours play, eight hours work. Sure, um, you know. And we're we're finally at a point, or a hundred years later, where we're looking at like, oh yeah, cool. So Norway or like Sweden are like, what happens if we make it a four day working week? And all of a sudden, society's more productive because people get more rest and they want to go to work because they're better rested and. And so we're still like thinking about these things. There's no hard or fast rules. And it's crazy that the education system has been so, mm. you know, this is how it works. So I'm glad that if, if my one <laughs> influence in your life is like, uh-uh, like be critical about all of that stuff and think about what is best for you and what makes you happy and makes you kind of, the, gives you the kind of quality of life that you want. That's all that matters, dude. Yeah, that's actually amazing. Well, well we could also work on music. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, we could. Yeah, I yeah. actually, this is like just coming to the studio today, this is my first time in a proper studio. Dude, welcome. Watching you set it all up and just like tapping everything. Like when you left the room, I was trying to look at the control panel and just understand it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got no idea. but well, <laughs> that's, that's half of what we teach you, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, music. Dude, like you rap, right? You, mm. do you and you make your own beats and stuff. Not, not at this yet. stage, no, That's not at this stage. We have to fix that, right? Yeah, we have to get you making your own beats. Yeah. Uh, what what are you listening to at the moment? What do you think of the new? Have you listened to the new Kanye record? Donda, yeah. the hot topic in the world. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I'm a bit of 
not a Kanye fan, but a Kanye appreciator. Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily like him as a person mm-hmm. or everything he does, but just the way he's like made his art into something more than music. Like it's not just music at this point. It's like a cult and a whole experience. Yeah. And I think that, um, yeah, you can't help but appreciate it. Like totally. it's the first first album to go number one in all like 130 countries on Apple. Yeah. So he's obviously doing the right thing. If we measure it by money, if we're measuring music by like money as we yeah, were talking about success. before, yeah, yeah, for sure. then Kanye is the greatest Kanye of all time. Is killing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. It's interesting you describe you describe yourself as a Kanye appreciator and you're not necessarily not a, fan. a fan of the of the dude. Or the rapping, like but, as far but, as his verses go, I'd rather listen to Hilltop Hoods or yeah, Bliss yeah, sure. and Esso. Yep. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're just wordplay and skill I find a lot more yep. creative and easy to listen to. But mm. as far as art and creati- creativity, then, yeah, Kanye is one of the best. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more, man. Like I, whether, whether I – I mean I total, totally personally disagree with his politics, right? Mm. Uh, and clearly Kanye has – some pretty significant health and well-being issues that he fluctuates through in his public, like you know, facing life, uh, which probably ain't great for the for the dude, you know. But um, what he does is what good stuff, good things that are made, right? Good art. I really actually, I actually really don't like the word art, but we can get into that later. Um, what good art does, right? It's not about like this. You can't make something that everyone on the face of the planet will love. You can't, right? The Beatles still hold the number mm. one, the most number one songs ever written, Lennon and McCartney. Mm. And yet 50% of the people just in the country they're from, like, nah, I prefer the Rolling Stones. Yeah. You know, like they, it's literally the highest selling or, or the greatest version of anything. You, you can't make this thing that exists you can't even make an idea right that everyone's going to agree with but we put these like absolutely bonkers parameters on ourselves as creatives it's like oh it's got to be perfect no it really doesn't right like Mm. um, what it's about is making something that makes people react to it yeah I don't – once upon a time, when I was like a bit younger and working like in my early career in music, it was all about making the audience and the people happy. I made a thing and if people like it, then I like it, you know, like, oh, cool. And you get in this like crazy headspace where you're constantly going, well, what can I make that people are going to like? You know, oh, no. But the reality is, right, it's not about making everyone like it. It's about making people engage with it, talk, like – Take Taylor Swift, right? Mm. Someone who, like, because I'm a pop tragic, obviously I love the music of Taylor Swift, uh, just like I love the music of Kanye West. Uh, but people love hating on Taylor. Uh, <laughs> but but when it's, like, down to a situation where it's, like, you and me and we're at a party on a Friday night, a few beers in, chilling on the couch at the back, you know, like... Uh, <laughs> When we're talking about whether or not we like Taylor Swift, the only person who's won in this global cultural conversation in that is Taylor Swift, right? Taylor mm. Swift ain't at home sitting on her couch going like, I wonder what Kieran and Andy are doing. Not you yet. Know, like, no one cares, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, it's, so it's the capacity for that stuff that's made to make people talk about it. Mm. 
that's the great that's the greatness of making things. It's mm. not about making something perfect that everyone's going to agree with. You, you can't. It's actually impossible. Mm. Um, but if you make stuff that makes people react, that's mm. the real secret. And that's why when people like, you know, we've all heard like uh, someone critique modern art and like there's a painting and it's like a black house painted canvas and someone's called it white and it hangs in the National Gallery and people go, that's just ridiculous. I could have done that. It's like, yeah, but you didn't. Mm. And you engaging with it, you going, that I'm outraged. That Maybe that's the point, man. Mm. <laughs> and like it's, uh, it's like wall hanging clickbait, you know, or like wall hanging shock jock stuff. It's like stuff mm. to make you go, what the hell, man? Mm. So, you know. Just on that, I think I'm a journalism student mm. and a lot of what they teach you in the journalism degree is like the ideal of journalism. Yep. This is how you report fairly, don't do this, don't do that. But in reality, you go on your phone and you look at the big news sites. Yeah, yeah. They're just doing clickbait. Dude, I know, and right? I, yeah. I think journalism's sort of coming around to that position that you just spoke about with music. Like mm. it's not about making the best journalism or writing the most in-depth stories. It's just about making people react. Exactly, and that's that's where <laughs> oh, whoa, you hit on something massive, right? Which is the difference between you talked about the ideal of journalism, which is like fair and balanced reporting and and honesty and transparency in the process, and and, and you and you yourself are like, yeah, I don't reckon that's what's happening. Hey, <laughs> um, and that's the difference between like what we use stuff for. So we, we like less than 20 years ago, <laughs> we used the news to read the news, to stay informed about what was happening in our society. That purpose has been kind of usurped with this idea that it should be entertainment. No, oh, news is, this is boring. Like what, when did that happen? When did we, when was so like, so as a result, People who make the news have like started working to this paradigm where it's like, well, actually we should, we need to reformat the news and make it more interesting and like engaging and, and make it, there should be more opinions. No, man, there really shouldn't be more opinions. Certainly ones that aren't declared, you know, like um, it's, it's, it's fascinating to see what's happened mm. because over as an academic thinker, right? One of the things that, that I am really thinking hard about and writing about and reading about at the moment is the idea of how we use stuff. We get, we get really caught up in um, what something is, right? Is it journalism? Is it art? Is it a cool jacket? But what we should actually be more concerned about is like, what does it do? Do you feel awesome when you wear that jacket? Well, yes. Well, then it's an awesome jacket, right? Um, and when we start critiquing things about definition, like oh, that is or it isn't art, like that painting on the wall at the National, that's not art, right? Um, mm. Or that's not journalism. We There can only be two outcomes in the way we talk, right? Which is like, well, yeah, it is. No, it's not. But yeah, it is. No, it's not, right? And But what we should be talking about is what it does. And what it does in journalism when a journalist is like, so if I make like a misleading headline that's going to make a ton of people click here, I will make money. But I might be corrupting what you've literally <laughs> learned at university is the ideal of journalism. 
then like we, we th- that's what we should be worried about. We shouldn't be worried about whether or not it is or it isn't entertaining. We should be worried about what it does. And what it does is like not great things for the reputation of the media, of journalism and, and like the creative industries in general, right? Mm. Um, yeah, this got real academic and real deep real quick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Should we talk about more lighthearted things? Um, I don't know how to bring it back to <laughs> I don't know how to bring it back now. I've just I'm thinking about question everything. I've just had an existential crisis. <laughs> oh, great, man. That's yeah. uh, you know, that's uh, that's one of my favorite that's my favorite want. things about this gig yeah. is the existential crisis yeah. I get to cause. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting, dude. It's really interesting cuz like we we get we've kind of been robbed of this idea of our responsibility as people that make stuff because we're worried about whether or not it is good. Mm. And that's a bonkers way to think about the things that we make. Mm. Like it doesn't really matter whether or not it is subjectively good or bad, right? And these these notions of valuing, oh, that's a good song. Oh, that's a great piece of design, right? We should be worried about what that song does, what that piece Mm. of design does. Mm. Um, because that's when we start asking way cooler questions like, well, is it ethical? Who's it helping? Does it hurt people? Like what are we, you know, and thinking mm. about things in that way is a way more interesting and a way more engaged way to, to think about creative practice. To do. And, and it's, I think it's because we cram creative practice into this like maths and science box. Mm. So, well, one and one is two, Right. Unless you talk to like some crazy theoretical mathematics mathematicians like Bertrand Russell, who are like, oh, I have no, is it? You know, but for the most part, we're worried about whether or not it is or it isn't music, or it is or it isn't journalism, or it is or it isn't, you know, it is or it isn't bad or mm. good. When we should be being like, well, actually, the world's probably not like black and white and crazy and binary. Like, <laughs> there's this whole bunch of bunch of nuance in everything that we do mm. so we can worry about like okay who uses this thing that we make that we design is it is it for a good is, is it for, is it for like a morally like positive outcome or like what mm. does it do in society mm. um is, is i think a, a, is probably a more important question about yeah. creative practice and it's just from this idea that like oh yeah Science is the only way to think about stuff. Science and maths and engineering. And and, hey, man, I love science and I love maths and I love modern medicine and I definitely like living in a well-engineered building and I love Mm. this computer right here that I definitely couldn't build with my technical knowledge. But, um, you know, what we use that computer for and who lives in the building, that's way more important. important. Yeah. I think... To bring it back to Buskers by the Lake. Yeah, maybe that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a really good festival for promoting arts on the coast and giving a diverse range of artists a chance to show themselves off. Like they haven't just said it's musicians or it's just one thing. They've given a lot of people a chance to come here and show their skills yeah. to a wide range of people. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I understand you might be performing... Uh, apparently I am performing in the program somewhere. That'll be cool. That'll be great. I haven't busked for, for years. I think I said earlier, right, like I, I grew up busking. Um, when I was 16, I kind of 
like many 16-year-old people, probably wasn't the best kid. Didn't get along very well with my family. So I kind of, you know, moved out and back in and out and back in. And, I, you know, the whole time I, I like got myself a busker's license, played in the Queen Street Mall in Brisbane, paid all my rent, paid all my bills, like took care of myself through that. Um, and that as like a, as a, a starting place for performers, no matter what they are, right, whether they're musicians or actors or whatever, right, anyone who's willing to get up on the street essentially and put a little box out in front of them and say, um, I'm going to do a thing and mm. get, would you give me money for that? Mm. Um, that's a really healthy thing to do and it's so mm. challenging because you, do, you don't have a captive audience. Like no one's asked mm. you, no one's gone, hey, man, why you go stand on the street corner and like spit some rhymes at me? You literally chosen to kind of do it out of nowhere. Mm. Um, so learning how to engage with an audience learning that there's an immediate money feedback for like, you know, what mm. for what you're doing um, mm. is is pretty interesting. And this is just a, like a great thing for the sunny coast, right? Mm. To give a whole collection of performers of all different kinds of platform to come and engage in that practice mm. and learn more about themselves and learn more about the region and kind of at a community grassroots level promote their work. Um, mm. It's a great platform. Yeah. And to promote the idea of busking to like say when you see someone you appreciate, give them money. Like it is a good thing, you know. A lot of people probably just walk past but someone who's putting themselves out there that much should be re rewarded for it I reckon or definitely, yeah. Totally, right. Yeah. It's a it's a, <laughs> busk, it's a really weird – I can't imagine. So it was like 20 years ago when I busked and everyone had cash. I have no idea. Like I don't. I can't remember the last time I had cash on me. Mm. So I like it. That'd be rough for the modern busker. You got to get mm. yourself like a little like pay pass thing or something. Thing, yeah. yeah. Um. So that's God. It sounds ancient. No, no. It's like twenty years ago, everything was cash, and oh, it was. Oh, I can't imagine. Uh, God, I'm old. How terrible! What an awful thing to find out on a podcast with you, dude. Um. Uh. But yeah, it's a. It's um. It's a pretty cool idea that mm. that they've come up with to put all of these people together and play around and kind of experiment in that space. I suppose touching on that, they're kind of keeping the art of busking alive because mm. the system is they're going to – you'll get your ticket, but then as part of that ticket price you get tokens to hand out to the buskers and pay them. And as you said, a lot of people these days don't even carry cash. Yeah. So these it's an opportunity for these artists who busk to have a cash paying crowd as well. And yeah, so it's definitely going to be supporting a lot of artists. Yeah, absolutely. And in pretty hard times too, right? You know, like the, the music industry in Australia is worth like 1.2 billion bucks, mm -hmm. roughly 800-ish million of that is made up of the live music sector in Australia. And mm -hmm. in the last 18 months through COVID-19, man, that has been reduced to about 89 million bucks. So that's that's a 90% reduction in the value of an entire sector of the music industry. That's just, yeah, that's ridiculous. Yes, yeah. and, and a lot of those people did, didn't qualify for support because, you know, like uh, gigging musicians aren't necessarily all ways the best at like reporting their income so they can go and be like hey yeah like, i don't think anyone was planning 
I know. In, in six months' time, there'll be a global pandemic and I'll have my tax in order so that I can go get some government support, right? So um, there's a lot of people suffering out out there and finding it really hard and try, finding it really difficult, particularly live performers, finding it really difficult to articulate what they do into a digital world. Mm. It's cool for those of us who were like already there and already doing stuff or, or have the technical knowledge and also like the, the actual privilege and money involved in setting yourself self up digitally mm. but for those people who just perform live and have been living off that mm. stuff like this is amazing because yeah. it's a reintroduction of the audience and you know financial support that's really badly needed it's a bit controversial but the touching back on what we spoke about how at school mm. the government pushes trades and like scientific or mathematical knowledge is the only forms of knowledge mm. That's been demonstrated in this past year because the government obviously hasn't been as quick to help out the music industry. It shows that they don't actually prioritise the value of arts and like, yeah. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, there's no other industry on earth outside of the creative practice industry where if someone came to your house and provided a service you'd be like cool so like a beer and pizza is cool right that's all like you come to my house and i have a lot of people that come to my house so it's like an opportunity for you to get exposure for like your cabinet making if you build me a kitchen no one would do that but um there's a there's a sense it's it's that devaluation that we were talking about before this kind of expectation that creativity will exist and that people should do it for the love of it yeah yeah you can't pay your rent on on the love of it, you know. Trust me, I I know. <laughs> um, mm. So, uh, yeah, it, it is about events like this are about changing community understanding that supporting creative practice is an essential part of society and community. And like, like, what's the point? Dude? Like, what what is the point in living in a society? It doesn't have like good music and good food and good like stuff to do mm. and good good film and good culture and good games and like that's the that's the real stuff that makes us proud of of who we are as individuals proud of who we are as a culture um, mm. and and like have a real strong sense of community mm. um, so yeah yeah I think like. The more we can change that through events like this, the better. Because mm. that's the reason people work, to spend the money they've earned on the creative stuff. You got it. And, yeah, I think it would be a great opportunity for everybody on the Sunshine Coast to come down on the 30th yeah. and the 31st mm -hmm. of October mm -hmm. and support all our creatives in Queensland because, yeah, it has been a hard year. But, mm. yeah. And then it's amazing that I've been able to get involved with this now through your work, meet Cindy who's organised this. Yeah, just a great opportunity. You know, it's what it's all about, man, like yeah. bringing people together to make and do stuff. It's good. Making stuff happen. Yeah. Any um, final words or shout-outs you'd like to give? Just to like Buskers by the Lake for being awesome to work with, uh, for doing amazing work in the community, to – you student, you know, University of the Sunshine Coast student gang uh, working on this project. You guys are awesome. Like um, you're very introducing students to industry partners is always a touch and go process. And, you know, you guys have taken to it really well. So like, yeah, 
It's awesome work. As I, I said, can't it, wait to see what happens. Yeah, as I said in the Cindy interview, this is pretty much the first uni assignment I've actually been excited about. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, but um, yeah, but yeah, well, I'm glad. It's great. I'm glad. It's I'm great. glad it's yeah. helping and it's good. Yeah. Uh, wicked. All right. Well, so, yeah. Thank you, Andy Ward. Thanks for having me. For coming me, on. Yeah, yeah. It's been very informative. Yeah. yeah. Right. We'll see you at the, at the festival. At Baskers by the Lake. I'll yeah. be there. Awesome. In the pink jacket. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We got it. That was very um, interesting. But sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yes, she's... No. Talk to an idiot about academic shit. Like, at Buskers Bar the Lake. 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 At Buskers Bar the Lake.